Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatech compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry. Also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Pittsburgh Steeler fans, it is time once again to say, here we go and grab those terrible towels to start rooting on your Pittsburgh Steelers as the five and three Steelers, the second place in the AFC North Steelers, take on the last place team in not only the NFC North, but the entire league, the Detroit Lions, who have not won a game all season. Is that something to worry about? Heck yeah. You don't want a hungry team to come into town, so you got to take care of business. And nobody knows more about taking care of business on the Steelers pregame show from BTSC that's behind the steelcurtain.com than the extraordinary coach, KT Smith. Kevin, what is up? Ryan, how are you, man? I Five am and three sounds good, doesn't it? What's that? Five and three sounds great, doesn't it? Well, one and three didn't sound too good. So yeah, I'll take a five. And it's something I tell Capitals fans all the time. Five's better than one. So I'm going to say it here for Steeler fans on the record. Uh, hey, listen, let me ask, let me ask you something. Um, I just, I've just noticed a lot of uh, angst, for lack of a better term, maybe, about the way the Steelers won that game on Monday night against the Bears. Obviously, getting out to the big lead and then blowing it in the second half and having to scramble back and get the last second field goal to win. And just a lot of commentary about you can't win a championship like this. And, and you know, the Steelers aren't, they're five and three, but they're still not very good. I don't know. There, there may be truth to those things, but, but aren't you enjoying this? I, I just want people like, I, my, I guess my message to Steeler fans this week was like, let's enjoy this. The Steelers were one and three and now they're five and three. 
And let's not fast forward to what things might be like in January. I mean, this is an enjoyable team to watch right now. Are the Rams still contenders with two losses after that loss on Mon- on Sunday night? Are I the would Buffalo say yes. are the Buffalo Bills still contenders as well? Losing yes. nine to six to Jacksonville of all teams. Yeah, absolutely. And I think things change in a hurry in the NFL. And right now, if this was all things being even, the Steelers would be seated above the Buffalo Bills in the wild card standing, which they are. But the Bills just have that luxury right now of being the uh, leaders in the AFC East. So that's one of those things. But the Steelers are actually ranked higher than that team. So that's the thing I look at. But I don't know if you know this, but I've got a nickname here at btsc it's from two years ago and it's actually almost two years to the day it will be uh actually you know it'll be two years to the day yesterday because this will be on on saturday so let's flash back to november 12th 2019 the steelers had just beaten the los angeles rams mason rudolph was the quarterback it was an ugly win and I made a comment that earned me a nickname, and I am now Mr. 2AM. And I don't know if you've ever heard this story, Kevin, have you? I know the nickname, but I've always wondered, why are you Mr. 2AM? I always thought it had to do with some sort of college behavior, but, well, you know. <laughs> Kevin, you were in college, right? I was, yes. And did you, have a, did you have a steady girlfriend in college, or were there times when you were single in college? A little bit of both there, yep. Okay, yeah. So, you know, you go out to the bars. It's, uh, you know, it's midnight, you're there with your buddies, then some of your buddies take off, they're going back, they're going back to the dorms, they're going back to the fraternity house, they're going back to the apartment, or they're going back to an apartment of somebody else. Um, and, you know, male and female, everybody hooks up, right? And then you're, you're not having a good night. And there's some nights you're gonna have good nights or some nights you're gonna have bad nights. And then you have that night, it's 2am. And you have somebody that you wouldn't normally approach, but she's smiling at you and she comes over and talks to you. You buy her a drink. Next thing you know, she invites you to go home and you realize, man, if my friends saw me now, I, I would never hear the end of it. You are not going to put this on your Christmas card. You're not going to brag to your friends about it, but you're going to go home with that person and you're going to take care of the business that you need to take care of as long as it's consensual. And like I said, you're not celebrating, but you take it. And that's 2 a.m. And that's how I got Mr. 2 a.m. Because I was talking about the Steelers beating the Rams in an ugly way. Hey, man, a win's a win. And when you're back in those days, in those college days, win's a win. It doesn't matter whether you're doing the walk of shame or not. That was such a romantic scenario. You just <laughs> play it. <laughs> yeah, my, my wife loves the, the 2 a.m. nickname, Mr. 2 a.m. <laughs> but she knows all these stories. So, I mean, you know, but that's it's, okay. But it's, re- it's relevant. It's relevant. It, it's 100% true, right, Kevin? Yeah, absolutely. It's a good analogy. Very interesting analogy, but a good analogy for sure. So, yeah, that's not, that's not the win that the Steelers – Monday night is not the win that the Steelers are going to uh, open the, the 20 – 21 highlight film with uh certainly not but at the same time there's everybody i think know knew that after that cleveland game they were on a high because that was a game a lot of people thought that they might lose and then you come back and play two weaker nfc teams at home and there's just this 
assumption, maybe assumption is the wrong word, but, but an awful lot of people are expecting you to win both games. And I, I was writing about this a little bit uh, in the preview game that, that was up on the site. I just feel as though NFL players are, are people. They, they read the same stuff that you and I read, and they have a pretty good idea about what people are saying about certain teams. And it's definitely easier to, to get yourself jacked up for a, a big road game at Cleveland than it is to come home and play a weak opponent from the other conference who you don't have that much of a rivalry or an association with. And at times, I think there can be, I don't want to say uh, a lack of a sense of urgency, but there just might not be the same focus and intensity as there is for those quote unquote bigger games. So I'm not excusing any of that. And, you know, I, a lot of people listening might say, well, we should still beat so-and-so by two touchdowns. I just don't know who, if that's who the Steelers are this year. I just don't know if they're talented enough to not play their best game and, and beat anybody by a significant amount. So to get out of Monday night with the win is, I think, worth celebrating. Well, there's so many things that I could branch off there, and I, I'm going to. First of all, in your business, you know, you have had big wins, and I'm sure you've had squeakers too, where you actually, you left walking off that field, going to that locker room with high school boys, you're, you're going to say in your head, man, we got lucky. We did not deserve to win. We've got a lot of work to do. Is that correct? hundred percent. Absolutely. And what kind of message do you have to those guys? I know it's different for NFL football players, but I've got a point here. So what's your message to those guys, your high school boys, when this happens? Well, the one thing that we, we've learned is you can't, you can't oversell an opponent and, and you can't undersell an opponent. You have to find the sweet spot. And that's not all. And you don't always hit that. And by oversell, I mean, sometimes the tendency is when you play a weaker team to just sort of build them up. These guys, you know, these guys are so much better than the record indicates. And uh, you just try to create that sense of urgency. Like if we don't play our best game, we're not, you know, we're going to come out of here disappointed, yada, yada, yada. And then you might go out and blow that team out. And then another opponent like that comes along and you try and do the same thing. And you're, you know, your players are kind of onto it a little bit. They're like, they're not that good. They, they know. So you have to find the right angle. I mean, my, my approach, I'm just talking personally, and I can't speak for what Mike Tomlin does or NFL coaches do is to just to make it about us. I mean, we're, we're, we're going to play us when we're playing teams that we feel like we're better than, or that we games that we feel like we, we really should win handily, then it's going to be about us. And we're going to great. We're going to be really critical of our own performance, our own execution, how we get graded out. Because if you challenge yourself against yourself, then you, there, you can never really, be satisfied with a poor performance. So that's just one angle that we try to take, but you're right. There's an awful lot of angles that you have to find psychologically to get guys week in and week out to be able to play their best football, because it's a grind. And once you play a big game, there's a natural letdown. And, you know, when you know you got an opponent like Chicago or even worse this week, like Detroit coming in, I don't think that it's automatic that just guys are, have the same approach. So you got to find it as a coach. You absolutely do. Now, Dave Schofield, who coached high school football as well, and he has he has a theory that really, did you really want them to go ahead and beat the Bears 48 to three? I mean, yeah, that makes you feel good this week, but does that motivate the team? As, does 48 to three motivate the team more than 29-27 with surviving a last minute field goal? A lot of people take stock in their work and they're like, wow. We escaped and we're thrilled we escaped, 
but come on, we can't keep doing this. We've, we've got to put our, our best game on the field. And I have a feeling that guys like Cam Hayward and TJ Watt and Ben Roethlisberger, they're having these conversations and they're, they're saying this. And even from the 53rd guy on the roster, Arthur Mallette might be out there saying, yeah, I need to step up my game. We survived, but I'm not proud of how I played, but I'm proud that we won as a team. And I know I contributed in the win as well, but it's time to go out there and work harder so this doesn't happen again. And that's the thing. But the other angle that I'm taking here is we've got a lot of fans just going crazy on the message boards, on the uh, the live chats. And they're like, well, they're not going to do well in the playoffs with this. The playoffs are a different animal. This is week. This was week nine. And you got to get through week nine and sometimes it is not going to be as good as what the next week's going to be. You know, you're going to have weeks where you're good and you're bad. And guess what? Detroit's hungry for a win. And you know what? They're, they might want it more. But when it comes down to it, you'll just see how much the Steelers want it. And we'll see who wins that battle on the field that very day. You know, if the Steelers played Buffalo nine more times after week one, they might have uh, lost six of those games, six out of those three games, but they won the opener. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I I think uh, as far as Detroit goes, I think Detroit's a dangerous team this week. And and to your point, I think there is some merit in having escaped the Chicago game with a win as opposed to having rolled over them because the Steelers can't afford to be complacent. That game should be a wake-up call to the players and to the coaches, too, because I'll be honest, I was not overly impressed with the second-half game plan that they authored. Um, So, meanwhile, Detroit is coming off a bye, and in their last game, they got steamrolled by the Eagles. I mean, they lost 44-6. to The Eagles ran, ran the ball for about 250 yards. I mean, they just ran it right down Detroit's throat. Detroit couldn't run the ball on their own. So they had to throw it. Their passing game's terrible. Jared Goff got sacked six times. I mean, it was just a beat down and, and they've now had two weeks to stew in that. And uh, Michael Brockers, their veteran defensive end, who's a, who's a real nice player and a, and just a good, a good locker room guy. He told the media after the Eagles game, uh, his quote was the coaches can't want it more than the players do. And that tells me an awful lot. Uh, about what went on against Philadelphia that I mean that that's a professional way of him saying like we we quit we didn't show up and then we packed it in early and with two weeks to stew on that I will expect I expect a really good effort from Detroit I mean they're professionals these guys are entering the second half of the season they're they're in survival mode some of these dudes are playing to stay on the roster they're going to be like a wounded animal and uh, the Steelers, if they're not on, you know, have a fire in their belly, and if they're not on their best game, then they're susceptible to getting beat. So in a way, I think what happened against Chicago will put the Steelers on a greater sense of urgency than had they rolled through the Bears, you know, by the score that you indicated. Well, thank you for making that point. Now, let's go ahead and take a look at the rankings. And you're going to look at some of these rankings and go, whoa, Steelers and Lions total yardage. Steelers are averaging 324.1 yards a game for 25th. The Lions, 321.1, ranked 26th. You know, as far as I'm concerned in the world of football, that's a draw. Passing, 
Steelers, 235.8 yards a game, ranking 17th. The Lions, 228.0 yards per game, ranked 21st. That's a difference of 7.8 yards a game. That's one pass. Rushing yards. The Steelers, 88.4 yards a game at 28. The Lions, 93.1 yards a game at 26. And points per game, the Steelers, 20.1 points per game, ranking 23rd. And the Lions, 16.8, ranking 29th. That's the biggest window of difference on the offensive side of the ball, 23 to 29. So the Steelers are scoring more points, maybe about four points a game, uh, 3.3 points a game. So that's a big difference. Defense, there's a little more of an advantage on the Steelers side. If you look at yards per game, 354.2, as opposed to 378.9 for the Lions, that's a difference of ranking 14th for the Steelers and 25th for the Lions. But that might be 11 spots, but that's 22 yards. You know, r- rushing a passing defense, they're 14th for the Lions and 15th for the Steelers around the 244 yard mark. That's how close they are. Rushing, this is where the Steelers might have a little bit of an advantage. They've only given up 109.8 yards a game for 14th. The Lions are giving up 134.5 yards a game for 29th. And points per game, huge advantage for the Steelers. The Lions are giving up 30.5 yards per game. They are 31. And the Steelers have given up 21.1 yards per game. And they are eighth in the National Football League. So, Kevin, offense is – would you consider offense a wash? Um, n- no, I think the Steelers are better on offense. I, I, w- one thing that jumps out about the numbers – and you. You said uh, Detroit's got the 14th in the league in terms of, of pass yardage. That's a little bit deceiving, though, because they're last in the league. They're 32nd in the league in yards per pass. They're, they give up an average of 9.2 yards per pass. That's a huge number. Mo- most teams in terms of yards per pass are somewhere in the 6 to 7 range. So to be out, giving up over 9 yards per pass um, tells you that they're very, very vulnerable to big plays. Some of the reason why their passing yardage allowed isn't as great as other teams is because they've been getting crushed in first quarters. They've been outscored in or in first halves, I should say. They've been outscored 126 to 47 in the first half this year. I mean, that's a huge disparity. So what that tells you is in second halves of games, a lot of the time opponents are running the football because they've got these big leads and they're just kind of grinding clock. So I think the Lions' pass defense is, is weak. And you combine that with the fact that they're 29th in the league in sacks. They're not getting after the quarterback. They're giving up big plays. And they're falling behind very, by large margins early in games. It's an opportunity for the Steelers, who quietly have been really, really good in the last three or four games on opening drives. They've got touchdowns on three of their fir- last four opening drives. Uh, great opportunity for them to get ahead early this week. And then hopefully like last week when they jumped out to a 14, nothing lead, be able to keep their foot on the gas. All right. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a look at the players that mean the most in this game for both the Detroit lions and the Pittsburgh Steelers. And we're going to do that coming up next right here on here we go. The Steelers pregame show from behind the steel curtain.com. 
For Priceline, ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back to Here We Go. Is that terrible towel warming up? I hope so. My name is Brian Anthony Davis. Also with me is the co-host with the most. His name is Kevin Smith, KT. We're talking about the players that are going to make this game. And I want to talk about the offense of the Steelers real quick. We know what Ben Roethlisberger means to this team. And we know what Najee Harris means to this offense. How much company... Does Najee Harris have for the rookie of the year standings with Pat Framrith? I am all in on the tight ends. I've been talking about this for a while. I, I love multiple tight end sets, and I think it's great for this particular offense because Fryermuth is so diverse. I think I think we got a, a really solid blocking tight end, Zach Gentry. And then I think Fryermuth is that flex guy who can do a little, he can, he can get in line and block if we need him to. But he also, as we've seen the last few weeks, is a heck of a weapon. He's a mismatch. And, and that's been evident in how he's been able to exploit both linebackers and defensive backs the last couple of weeks. So he's having a great year. And, and he's really come on. I think, I think there was a sense after about the first three or four games that he just wasn't being utilized enough. And once he, once his roles increased, I think the Steelers' offense has gotten better. That said, Najee Harris is the rookie of the year for the Steelers. I, I don't think that there's any question about it. With where would this, without Pat Fryermuth, the offense would not be as dynamic. Or I, I'm sure there's people out there right now saying no, the offense isn't dynamic. But I, it wouldn't just be it wouldn't be as good. Let's be honest. But without Najee Harris, my goodness, the offense would be in really sad shape. But every time that Benny Snell comes into the football game and you know, I, I never try to hate on any of these guys. These are NFL players living a dream and I wish them all the best, but you, you can just feel like a two yard run coming. You know, Benny Snell just doesn't have the explosiveness. He doesn't have the ability to break tackles that Najee Harris does. He doesn't have the vision. Uh, Kalen Balazs has not really shown us much yet. Anthony McFarlane hasn't been healthy and made almost no impact. So, man, those three guys, I mean, that was the backfield last year for the most part. Uh, I know James Conner, you know, but but he's was always dinged up. So, so without Najee Harris, I just, you know, I can't imagine what this offense would look like. Yeah, and that's really not, I mean, we know that Najee is the Steelers rookie of the year, but I'm talking about in the equation. I mean, we are in a situation right now where we have two superstar rookies. And that's a really nice feeling on this team. Now, 
You talked about life without Najee Harris. Well, the Steelers have a little bit of a scare when you look at the injury report, the second injury report on Thursday, where Najee did not practice. Do you think that is a situation where it's a little extra rest because they played late into the night on Monday night? Or is there something serious going on that you know of? No, I think that that's rest. I think that that's a realization that as we now get to the ninth game of the season uh, and we consider all the uh, all the shots that he's taken, uh, I think that it's it's probably an indication that uh, it's time to really start managing his his load during the week so that he's fresh for game time. Well, that's that's fantastic to hear. So. Is Najee Harris the guy that needs to make this offense go against Detroit? Remember, they're averaging 135.5 yards a game or so on the ground. 134.5, excuse me. They're giving up that much. You know, the Steelers offense, as far as rushing, they are now over 100 yards per game at 109.8. But if you take the last four games, they've been over 100 yards and they're making some strides, even with the fact that the offensive line seemed to take a little bit of a step back on Monday night against the Bears. Here's the thing. They still had overall rushing over 100 yards. Najee had about 62, 63, 64, somewhere around there. And then he got some help from the jet sweeps, from Matt Canada's mind, and those wide receivers, the Ray Ray McLeods, the Chase Claypools, which you're most likely not having this week with that injury thought to be season ending and now it's week to week. So that's a situation, you know, the first week there's not going to be any chase. Uh, So with that being said, with the help that this, this offensive line is getting from those receivers and Najee's getting some help too. Do you see this being a great game for them? Uh, Maybe almost a rushing get right game as they, they head up the stand, the standings every single week. Yeah, this is a big a big game for the offensive line. They got beat up a little bit last week, particularly the two rookies, uh, Kendrick, Kendrick Green and, and Dan Moore. This would be an interesting week. If, if, I were, if I were Matt Canada, this would be a week where I would try to get the outside zone scheme going. The Steelers basically scrapped it after experimenting with it for the first two weeks because they just weren't very good at it. And outside zone is a tough scheme for a, a new line like the Steelers have to to get going because it requires an awful lot of uh, communication there's there's far more of uh, combination blocking in the outside zone scheme than there is in the inside zone scheme so the Steelers have been a really heavy inside zone team this year they've run a little bit of like guard trap uh, they ran they ran a wham scheme last year which I love but the only way that they're getting to the perimeter the, uh, right now is with that jet sweep stuff that you mentioned and maybe with some receiver screens so Detroit plays a three four. Um, and that's a, that's a good front for, for teams to try to run outside zone against because the, uh, the defensive tackles will be head up on the offensive tackles. So if you can outflank them with some tight end, maybe double tight, tight end wing sets, and then use some motion to try to get an extra blocker over there, you can try and get that outside zone scheme going. The Steelers are going to need that. They need to alleviate some of the pressure that defenses are putting on their offensive line. If you look at the film from the Bears game, Chicago was nine in the box on a lot of in a lot of instances, or was getting a plus one in the box. I did a, a film room on the site, and one of the one of the plays I showed was just uh, how they were inserting the safety late to get like seven against six. 
And now, you know, Najee Harris is running into stacked boxes. And the reason Chicago was doing that was because they know the Steelers are not getting the ball onto the perimeter. So if I were Canada, I, I would take a look at the outside zone scheme this week. I think you got a weak run defense. You got the front to do it. Uh, and, and you're going to need that play coming down the stretch uh, if you're going to get serious about a playoff run. Who's most likely on the Detroit Lions to stop this team? Last week we were talking about it, and we knew that Khalil Mack was probably going to be out. You knew that they had Robert Quinn, but the guy that we were worried about was Roquan Smith, and for good reason. He had an awesome game. So who on Detroit can can do that? I was on a show with uh, the Pride of Detroit yesterday from SB Nation, and I said to them about stopping the run, I'm like, if you guys have – some players that could, you know, they could stuff the run, you know, they could stuff the inside in the trenches, and they can also, you know, adapt to the fact that there are going to be some jet sweeps. There's going to be some kind of trickery, and Matt Canada is going to dial up some good stuff. Then you're going to be fine. And they just went to me, they went, oh. <laughs> so who are you looking at when you're scouting Detroit, Kevin? Well, I, I understand the reaction because when you look at Detroit's defense, there just aren't any names that jump out at you. I mean, Trey Flowers, the outside backer, is a good athlete and has been – he's been a decent player. Brockers has been a nice player throughout his career, but he's, he's kind of on the back end of his career. Um, you know, uh, Alex Anzalone, the, the inside backer, is a, is, is a little bit of a thumper, but he doesn't really run sideline to sideline that well. Uh, so I, I don't know. I don't, I don't think that they're, they're, they're thin – talent wise defensively and and that is you know you can see the number the points that they've given up they've given up 30 plus points in a whole bunch of games this year and, and like I said earlier Philadelphia just ran the ball down their throat I mean they ran right at Detroit and there wasn't much Detroit could do so if I were the Lions I would have to gamble on Chicago's strategy which was just load the box drop the safeties down try to get the Steelers outnumbered in the run game and just hope that your pass coverage holds up uh, and if I'm the Steelers, I'm saying, man, this is, you know, this is a week for outside zone and some play action because Detroit's going to be coming down low with those safeties and we got to get over the top on them. The Steelers, the one, the, the one big thing I was really disappointed in with the Steelers game plan last week was they just didn't attack the middle of the field after they had done so the week before against Cleveland, throwing the ball to the tight ends down the seam. I was like, oh my gosh, the middle of the field, man, we're attacking the middle of the field. That's exciting. And then we went away from it last week. So so I think that's that's a, a strategy the Steelers should come back to. Now let's look at the defensive side of the ball for the Steelers. You know, Cam Hayward and TJ Watt, you know what those guys bring. And but we saw last week, we saw some danger happening with the Steelers last week on defense. And it it got to the point where it was it, that could have been the end of the uh road for that win streak for the Steelers and you saw Arthur Millette who I think is having a fine year filling in for Mike Hilton but he was on an island and he was exposed and the rest of the defensive backfield was not impressive as well as the Steelers were getting beat by tight ends like crazy now they have a great tight end in TJ Hawkinson and I think right now he's their most dynamic offensive player and he's the big threat and I was asked this on the show yesterday, how are the Steelers against tight ends? Last few years, maybe five or six years ago, they were getting victimized by guys like Gronk and Travis Kelsey. And now they stand up a lot better to the tight ends. So do you think that is a concern, the passing game with Jared Goff 
and TJ Hawkinson. I know it's not Trent Jordan Hawkinson. I got to find out what it is. <laughs> um, Detroit's passing attack has not been very good, but Hawkinson's the guy. So probably a big week for Minka Fitzpatrick. He's been great against tight ends. Be a good week for the Steelers to try to get hands on Hawkinson at the line of scrimmage as much as they can delay his release. The strategy last week to, to you know, go man-to-man with Mallette throughout the second half. Obviously, everything, you know, can be questioned in hindsight. But, I mean, it, it, they'd run that strategy before and, th- and it had held up. So, I, I just think – I think Justin Fields took him by surprise last week, to be quite honest. Uh, that guy – that kid's getting better every single week. And he looked like a seasoned pro in the second half. So it's easy to question Pittsburgh's strategy last week, but Fields, I think, played beyond what the Steelers thought he might, and Millette had his, arguably his worst game of the season. I wouldn't look for Pittsburgh to duplicate that strategy. I'd look for them to play a little bit more zone defense. I think that they can get to uh, Jared Goff by rushing four. Detroit's pass protection's been bad. And um, I think that with pressure on Goff and mixing coverages and combo covering, Hawkinson so you might see like combination coverages where the safety drops down and and he takes Hawkinson on anything vertical or to the boundary and then you have Devin Bush bracket him inside and Bush will pick up anything that Hawkinson runs inside I mean that's a pretty effective way to limit uh, a good underneath receiver so I think the Steelers have some options there and um, I'll be I'll be honest I'm a little bit more worried about Detroit's run game I think the run game's sneaky good you know I uh, you know, DeAndre Swift is a good back, but they've got a couple really good linemen. Taylor Decker's a really good lineman. They got Penay Sewell, the rookie who who uh, was the consensus bet number one lineman in the draft. And, um, you know, I think that they if they can get some stuff going in the run game, it'll open up the passing game. And obviously they're going to want to try to eat the clock to keep the ball out of Pittsburgh's hands. So I think their Steelers really need to make sure that they lock down the run first and foremost. After almost blowing it to the Chicago Bears, is this a trap game anymore, Kevin? I don't. I don't think so. Simply because of what you know, what you just said. I mean, the trap games usually happen when there's a sense of complacency and you're looking beyond an opponent towards another opponent. Well, the Steelers after this. Correct me if I'm wrong. They're going out to the West Coast to play the Chargers. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. So I mean, that's a. I don't know. Is that a rivalry? Is that, it's, it's not like the, it's not like they're going like into Baltimore to play the Ravens next week and. They shouldn't be complacent at all with the way things ended up with uh, Chicago. So I don't see it as a trap game. All right. So let's wrap this up here and let's let's give a score prediction, Kevin. Well, there's a part of me that's tempted to to pick the Steelers big, but that just isn't who they are. Uh, they're just not a complete enough team yet to really run away from people. I think they'll win. And, uh, and I think they'll they'll cover the spread, which I think is about seven point six or seven points right now. But I don't think it's going to be a blowout. So I'm going to say uh, 27-17. That's my score. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> so I love it because we don't talk about this. But I was thinking yeah. 27-17 as well. You know, it's seven and a half right now. I think it was, it was as high as nine a couple of days ago. And I'm really thinking at this point, you know, that I, the Steelers should win this game. I think like you said, like, like we alluded to, they've kind of learned their, I don't want to say learned their lesson, but they're, they're in a good position here. And you're going to see how good this team is. This is a playoff team now. And the, the Steelers right now, they're, they're ranked sixth in the AFC. And it depends what happens with Baltimore, but they can, I mean, they're in striking distance. 
They're in second place in the AFC North, and they've got some tiebreakers over some teams as well that are ahead of them. So they have a chance to move on up like George and Wheezy. So with that being said, I think the Steelers are going to go ahead. I think 10's a safe bet for this game, but I don't care if it's two or one, as long as there's a W and there's celebration because I'm going to this game. Yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. That's awesome. I'm excited uh, to, to hear your report. Oh, yeah, I, I'll do some live reports. And my nephew, his name's Noah Shue, and he is one of the biggest Steeler fans around. I lobbied when he was born because I only have one sister. I don't have any brothers. Um, so it was just the two of us growing up. And I put a picture of Art Rooney, Art Rooney Sr., next to her head and next to him when he was born. And I said, we got to call this boy Art. And I got blocked. It was not, it was not going to be Arthur. His name's Noah and it's a great name. And he's a great kid. He's about to turn 15. He turns 15 on the 21st when the Steelers are playing the Chargers. I'm like, buddy, I love you, but we're not going to LA. Um, so I'll, we'll do the next best thing. We're going a week before your birthday and we'll go see him play Detroit at home. And he's like, yes. You know, so with that being said, I'm taking him. And that's going to mean so much to me. This is the second time I've taken him to the game. Last time, Pat Mahomes broke out for six touchdowns early on in his career, and that really sucked. So I'm hoping it's a good birthday for him, and I'm really looking forward to spending time with my not just my nephew, but my godson and one of my favorite people on this earth. So it's going to be a blast. So the Steelers need to reciprocate, and we need a win. Yeah, that sounds awesome. That's that's going to be a great trip, and uh, I feel pretty good that, that you guys are going to go home happy. Well, thank you for saying that, and I think we will too. But there's this is a crazy game, and that's why they play the games, because if you, if you just decide the Super Bowl winner on paper, eh, there's no reason to play the games. So you play the games, and we'll see what happens. But I've had some great experience with the Detroit Lions it's the moment that I knew that I was going to marry my wife when they were playing this, the Lions January 1st, 2006. And it was a special day. I looked over and she was crying because Jerome Bettis just scored his third touchdown and everybody's chanting one more year. And everybody knew that this was his last game in Heinz Field and she was not a football fan at that time. And I saw those tears. I'm like, yep, I'm going to marry her. And we were only dating a month at that time. <laughs> Hey, thank God uh, you didn't meet her when they lost to the Lions 45 to three on Thanksgiving. Remember that one? Yeah, that was 1983 and she was seven. So, um, <laughs> well, so and I was 11. So, you know, I, uh, I, that's good. I mean, now it could have been 1998 when they lost on Thanksgiving day, even worse. I think it was 19 to 16 on the, uh, the botched coin flip, but eh, we'll talk about that another time. Absolutely. All right, Kevin, thanks so much. Have a fantastic game day. Everybody grab those terrible towels. Start rooting for Kevin Smith. My name is Brian Anthony Davis. You can call me bad. And I tell you what, it's a great day for football. Have fun and go Steelers. <laughs>